Hey guys, first and foremost, thank you for joining us uh, for Wednesday at the Cross. Man, it's been a, a crazy season we've been walking through. Uh, first with all the uh, COVID-19 and, and the social distancing and um, everything uh, from the uh, shelter-in-place orders to um, all the other emergency orders and all the things we've gone through to um, doing all the online stuff and you know now even you know what we're seeing in our in our world today of so many people dealing with um, just the the brutality of situations, dealing with authority and power, dealing with mistreatment and. You know, I just want to take a moment as we start just to pray just specifically for um, our people, for our nation, and for um, us at the Cross Loganville to continue to see how we can be the hands and the feet of Jesus. So join me in praying now. Father, right now, I just come to you and just pray that you would just work in each of our hearts. God, to show us what our part in all of this is as we lean into you, as we rely on you, as we seek after you, Father, God, to be what you desire for us to be. I pray that you will work in our hearts. I pray that you will work in our lives. God, I pray that this time would be one where, God, you uh, allow us to lean into you. God, that you would provide reconciliation redemption, healing in our own lives and in our own cities and our states and our nation. Father, and across this world, God, I pray that you would work in a way that you and only you can. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. <clears throat> hey, on Sunday, Tim talked about John 20 and the joy that we have in overcoming a life of fear um, just by having a life that Jesus can bring to us. And tonight we're going to dig a little bit deeper into John 20. Uh, John 20 is, is going to be one of those passages that helps us to be able to know his voice and to follow it because it's not just good enough to know it. He doesn't desire that we would just know him. He desires that we would follow after him and that, that we would pursue him. And as you uh, see in um, so many different lives. Uh, man, the events that have taken place um, here and the, the, the things that we've had the opportunity to be able to see and to walk through, I, I pray that you've taken some time to sit down just to, to think through and to unpackage some of these things. Um, we're going to go now and, and begin to unpackage some of the John 20 as we will look at this. Um, in the first four verses, I'm just kind of going to summarize it by saying, you know, like Tim talked about on Sunday, that, that Mary, you know, that they had gone to the tomb and she saw the stone was rolled away. Um, you know, in a couple of the other gospel accounts, says that the angels were there and that, man, it, they really comforted her in knowing um, but her first thought was, man, they have stolen Jesus. They've taken his body. Something has happened. And she just didn't know. She's overcome with this fear. She's overcome with trying to figure out what's going on. She runs and she tells, you know, Peter and John, hey, somebody, something has happened. They've taken Jesus. Something's happened. And so Peter and John, they run to the tomb. And as they get there, it says in verse 5, um, verse 4, um, it, it says, you know, both were running and the other disciple outran Peter, reached the tomb first. So John got there first, and it says that he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. 
I want you just to, to imagine it, just to, to think, um, you know, just, just picture being there. I went to the garden tomb uh, several years back in Israel, and, and when we got there, I remember walking over, and you would, uh, the entrance uh, to where the tomb was, you would have to kind of lean forward and, and go duck under to go in. And as you would go in, they say that where Jesus was, was laying is on the right-hand side. And I can, I can put myself there. I can imagine being one of these disciples who has just heard that something has happened, that Jesus is no longer where he had been laid for burial. And I can imagine John running up to the tomb, and, and as he walked up, he nervous, anxious, this, this fear, this anxiety, all the emotions that he was going through, that he had just heard that Jesus is not there. What, what's happened? And, and as he gets there, he begins to just think through, and, and I wonder what it was like. I wonder, and I can just imagine as, as he bent over and he began to lean forward to, to peek inside, you know, you can just imagine what he's going through. You can imagine what it was like to walk with this guy for three years, to walk and to do life. Everything that Jesus did, John was with him. Everything Jesus did, Peter was with him. And to, to, to now have this void of these last couple of days of knowing, man, that he's gone, something has happened. And now being rocked that he's not even where we laid him. And as he bends over and he begins to peer in and to look in, you know, the picture of what he sees, the picture of what Peter sees, man, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It says this in John uh, 20, verse 6, Then Simon, who was there beside him, he arrived and he went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. You know, there's a significance there that if you haven't studied the Jewish culture and the Jewish heritage, you, you miss it. You just go right by it. It just seems like an odd statement that this burial cloth that was around his head was now folded up, laying there neatly. And so, you know, it, if you go back and you start looking and studying at some of the Jewish culture, you know, when... <clears throat> the Jewish people would have a meal at their home. Those meals would last for hours. Um, a lot of times when they would say, hey, we're going to have a meal together, it meant you were coming over and you would all cook the meal together. You would prepare whatever the, the, the matzah was that they were going to bake for the bread. They would prepare all the different things to be able to have a meal together. And so it would be not just coming over for an hour or two for dinner. It would be several hours of, you know, spending time together and, and enjoying one another's company. And so during the course of the meal, from preparing it, from eating it, from cleaning up to even afterwards hanging out, during that course, there would be times where someone would get up from the table. You can see even in Scripture where Jesus talks about, you know, as they were reclining at the table, as they were reclining at the table, they would sit and they would, it was not just chairs they would sit in. Most of the tables were on the ground and they would just kind of sit back. They would have pillows around them. And as they would recline at the table over hours, there would be different times. They'd have to get up to go help with something or to get up to use the restroom or get up to do something, you know, here or there. And so when they would get up, they would take their nap 
napkin and they would fold it neatly and leave it in their place. And that was a sign that they were not finished, that they were going to return. It was a sign when they would leave that napkin folded neatly there. It was a sign to everyone else that this seed is taken. It was a sign to everyone else that, hey, I will return. And so as we see this in Scripture, man, it's incredible that that when Peter walked in, he saw the, the linen strips lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. And it says this one little thing, the cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. See, the significance there is this. Jesus was intentional to let us know, it is finished, but I am not. I do plan to return. You know, you can see even in this little uh, event, that next statement in verse 8 of what they saw. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Why would it say that? He saw and believed. You know, is it that he believed that it, it may possibly be that he believed that somebody had taken the body? It may have been something where he believed, well, Jesus isn't here, they're, they're telling the truth. But I think it's a little bit further than that. I think it's even deeper. I think that when he saw, he believed, he knew the significance of it. He saw and, and he believed is more than just saying, hey, he's not here any longer. I think that he saw and he believed is that statement of knowing that he believed there's more to who Jesus was than just what he knew when he walked up to peer into that tomb. You know, they still didn't understand, the scripture says right after that in verse 9, they still didn't understand that Jesus had to raise from the dead. It's amazing to be able to see that one little minute detail that Jesus, his burial cloth, the linen around his head had been folded up and placed there. And I can see the significance of it, of knowing that Jesus will return, that he has returned even in that day for them. And they would come to see him shortly after this. Let's take a, another look in verse 10 through 15 at, at something that Mary Magdalene encounters. The disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. Verse 12, and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord, she said. I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not realize that it was him. This is an a, a incredible loss that she's gone through, this devastation that she's gone through, this great friend that she's had, and now this emotion of not knowing. She's, you know, even the other accounts of hearing that the angels have said, hey, he's risen, but she still can't quite grasp it. Hey, he's not here. She can't quite grasp it. And even to a point where I wonder if she's in that denial state of, of trying to figure out what really has happened here. What is going on? So thinking it may be the gardener, she, she's just saying, hey, 
bring me the body. Just tell me where he is. He's, 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 where is he? What's going on? And as she's talking to this guy that's standing there, she didn't realize what all was going on. Verse 15 says, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that he was a gardener. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. You know, it's one of those things that she could see what she could only see with her eyes before her. But her heart knew that there was something more there as well. You know, I can think through and it's that, that voice that called out to her. It's that voice that as she's sitting here distraught, as she's sitting here with all these emotions, that voice that called out to her and, and it was a familiar voice, but it wasn't one that was expected. And there was that voice that called out and when it called out her name, she recognized that voice. Jesus said to him, verse 16, Mary, she realized who it was. She recognized that voice. She recognized the voice of Christ when he called her name. Let me ask you this. How well do you recognize the voice of Jesus? Do you hear him call your name? How well do you recognize what it sounds like when he's speaking into your heart? Do you hear that voice? You can just see and recognize that voice of Jesus because she had been with him. She knew it. She wasn't expecting it, but when he called her name, she knew exactly who he was. I can think back to coaching baseball for many years, and I can think back into those t-ball games where uh, I remember uh, one game early on, uh, there was a little boy named Matthew on my team, and, and when he got up to bat, it was early in the t-ball season, he hit the baseball, and he began to run towards third base. And now you can only imagine being at a game, at a, a t-ball game with a bunch of five and six-year-olds. And I was standing on third, coaching third base, and I remember everybody out there was screaming and yelling. Everybody was yelling. The team was yelling to get the ball and throw them out. Our team was yelling, trying to get his attention to, to stop and to run the other way to first base. And, and I'll never forget it. Um, his, his, all of a sudden, as he's running down third, his mom yelled his name. And when she yelled his name, he stopped and he turned and he looked into the stands at her. And when she looked at, when she looked at him and he looked at her, she just yelled in all the chaos. She just said, go to first the other way. And I remember just standing there at third, I've been yelling my head off, okay? There's a rule in T-ball that I think should be instilled. Um, you should never allow your feet to leave the ground when you're coaching a T-ball game. I broke that rule. I was jumping up and down. I was doing jumping jacks. I was screaming. I was yelling. I was cutting flips trying to get the kid's attention to tell him to go the other way. But all it took was his mother yelling his name from the stands and all of the noise for him to just stop to look at her, and then to turn and go the direction that she gave him. Let me ask you again, do you recognize the voice of Jesus? Because in our world today, there are a lot of voices. There is a lot of noise. And what I want to ask you is this, do you hear the voice of Jesus? Do you recognize it in your own journey and in your own walk? 
Do you hear him when he speaks to you softly and quietly as you dive into the word? I can think about, you know, even when um, God uh, spoke, you know, it, 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 it talks about that, that, man, there was this thunderous storm in this mountain, but it was not him. It was this, this loud wind. It was not him. All these things passed, and then it was him in this quiet and still, almost silent voice. And that was the voice that God chose to speak through. Can you hear him? Do you hear what Jesus is saying? As you continue to read on in, in John 20, as Jesus talks to her in verse 17, I love, I love what he says in verse 17. He says, you know, do not hold on to me or don't cling to me for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my Father. And he lays it out and says, I'm returning my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. See, Jesus takes this and he, he personalizes it. He makes it very personal and very intentional here. What he says is this, you know, don't just stand here and cling to me. Don't just stand here and hold on to me. There's more that there is to be done. God desires for us to seek him, but he also desires for us to share him with others, to go and to share him also, even there with him. He's laying it out and he's saying, hey, don't just stay here with me. I want you to go and I want you to share. Go and tell them what I've, what's happened. Go and tell them you've seen me. Go and tell them I'm coming to see them. It's the same thing for us now, even in these crazy times. What will you do with what you have been given? What will you do with what he has done for you? What will you do? Will you take it and will you share it? And that's the challenge. I love the way that John 20 ends. I love the way that it just kind of wraps everything up. You know, I believe that John 20 verse 30 and 31 are just a perfect conclusion of the words that John kind of lays out. It says this as you, as you read through 30 and 31. It says, Jesus did many other, many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may know and you may have life in his name. So I challenge you. What will you do with it? What will you do with it? That perfect conclusion of this, that you, these have been written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. What will you do with that? Who will you share that with? I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Continue to go back through and to dive into John 20, and then leading up to this coming Sunday. Man, spend some time reading through John 21. It's an absolutely incredible picture, as Tim's going to lay out for us, that picture of that charge that Jesus gives and that he calls not only Peter, but for all of us, that charge to live for him. And so I, I challenge you and I encourage you 
to live your life for him, to seek after him, to know him, and to grow in who you are and your walk with him. Have an incredible rest of the week.